he's Marler, and this is his music show. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Marlar Music Show. I am the Marlar. I hope everyone is doing fantastic today. I know I am. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to everybody that's been sticking with me through this process. Um, this is my, I believe, sixth episode now, so I'm trying to shake things up a little bit, do some different things, see what takes better than others. Um, but I appreciate all of y'all that are listening on a regular basis, and I hope that you continue to, and I hope to give you a little bit of entertainment, even if it's laughing at me. That's fine. Not a problem. I laugh at myself all the time. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do today is this episode is going to be more along the lines of a current events episode, things that are happening now in uh, rock and heavy metal. Um, there's not a... I said there's not a whole lot going on. There's a lot going on. Um, a lot of bands out there touring this summer going to be touring now into the fall. But um, I'm going to touch today on three topics. <coughs> oh, excuse me. That um, are probably not going to say the biggest, but the three that I'm paying the most attention to right now. Um, so we're just going. I'm not going to tell you all three. We're just going to go one by one. Um, probably with the most important first. And so, as a lot of y'all know, there's a tour going on right now called the Stadium Tour, which includes Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and I forgot who the opening band is. Um, somebody that's not very popular at all, but hopefully we'll get a lot of exposure. Uh, being on the bill with these four, I mean, you can call them legends, basically. They are in their own way. Um, so, I'm going to concentrate on three of the bands, the top three on the bill, Motley, Def Leppard, and Poison. Um, I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to go see this tour yet. It's one that I would not have, I would have liked to have been able to go see, but it got postponed so many times. So like none of the dates closest to me um, were on a night where I could really like take off work and go, because, you know, it's take off a couple days, take off the day of, day after to do it right and, and be able to have a really good time. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'd hope to in the beginning, but COVID and some other things just made it not a possibility. No big deal. I've seen all these bands many, many times over the years. <coughs> um, so the first band I want to touch on is Poison. Uh, Poison's a band that I've seen probably four or five times over the over the years, I saw them a couple times in high school off of, you know, the, probably their biggest two tours. And then a few times when I was in my 30s, I think the last time I actually saw them was like in 2008. They were touring with Rat. Uh, pretty good show, you know. Um, at, at that point, I think Poison had started uh, getting back together and touring on a semi-regular basis. Uh really haven't put out a lot of new music in, in years, which quite honestly is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, which, you know, that, that, that kind of leads me into a few of my points about them is, you know, is a band like Poison who had, you know, we'll go with basically had three albums that they take off of to play live. Look what the cat dragged in 
open up and say, ah, flesh and blood. And literally, I think now on their set list, and, and the time that I saw them last 15 years ago, 14 years ago, those are the albums they stuck with. They played nothing else off of any other album. So, I don't believe they have put out an, an album of brand new music in, in close to 20 years. And so, a question I pose is, is, is that the right thing that a band like Poison for them to do? Just stick with, you know, the, the part of their catalog that got them to their pinnacle, that made them famous, that made them a lot of money, because that's what the old school fans want to see anyway, unless you're like really, really die, die hard, right? And it's what the new generation of fans that they have um, would, would be turned on to in the first place. So, you know, I get if band wants to, Bands want to continue to evolve musically and put out new music, you know, more power to them. But, you know, when they go on a tour, especially one like this, where you've got three fairly big names, um, at least in the history of glam metal, touring together, you want to condense it down to, you know, basically, I hate to say it, but a greatest hit show, because that's what people come for, right? So... At what point, you know, a lot of bands, they'll make new music for themselves, but they also want to play it live. <clears throat> and so I think in, in their situation, they're doing it right. They're just sticking with what, you know, they're dancing with the one that brought them, right? They're, they're sticking with the stuff that gave them their name, that gave them popularity, that made them rich. Uh, and, and that's what the fans want to see. So that's that's what they're sticking with. And I think that's a, a wonderful idea. And so, having said that, does it make them more legit than like Def Leppard or Motley, right? So, they kind of they kind of know their role. They know their place. They they know what the fans want. They know what got them there. They know what their best songs are. So they're not trying to reinvent themselves or. Or, or do anything to top what they once did or, or necessarily even do anything to, to make their, you know, get another number one album anymore or number one single or whatever. Does that make them more legit? I mean, maybe in a way it makes them a little bit smarter because, you know, I've looked at the set list on all three of these and they're pretty common. I think they're pretty set from show to show in City to City. I think Def Leppard and Motley are swapping headlining each night and so you know one night motley will play a shorter set list the next night they'll play their longer set list <clears throat> and i've noticed the two Def Leppard and motley that's so that they've taken out some of the the filler in their set list when they've been second on the bill and not, and not the headliner and so poison with the you know they're in the third spot so they're playing what everybody knows, what everybody came to hear, you know, pretty much without fail. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. You know, I'm sure there's a couple of minor obscure songs that you'd want to hear, but for the most part, they're playing the stuff that everybody likes. And so in that way, it's like, it's, it's, there's no, there's no frills. They're not trying to draw attention to anything else. They're just giving the fans exactly what they want. And for me, kudos to them with that, because um, a lot of bands don't do that anymore. You know, there, there are some bands that do it because, They've tried in the past to put out, you know, newer albums over the past 10 years. And they just bombed like, well, we don't have anything new that anybody likes. 
in their case, you know, it's been over 20 years, and I'm, I'm wondering sometimes maybe they just resign themselves to, hey, let's just stick with who we were. Let's just go off of that. We can still draw fans. We can still um, entertain and make everybody happy. So, yeah, I think I think you're doing the right thing there. And then, of course, um, in case anybody missed it, earlier in the week, I believe it was last Thursday, they were supposed to play in Nashville. And Brett Michaels had to be hospitalized for some reason. And so I've dug fairly extensively into this on YouTube, um, Loudwire, Blabbermouth, you know, everywhere I could find on the Internet that, to look. And there's just like he did not reveal the reason that he did. It was all just some of the one rumor I did hear was some kind of bad reaction to medication. Um, as most people know that, you know, he's a type one diabetic, has been since I believe he was like six years old. Um, and so I'm a type two, I don't, which doesn't cause as many problems, but I know when you're type one, you really have to be careful with medications and stuff that you do. So, you know, speculation is it had something to do with that, but, uh, you know, I saw where he, uh, bounced back a couple of days later, played show in Jacksonville. I think they played a little bit more of a abbreviated set just to make sure he was okay. Um, from everything I saw, you know, he's hopefully getting, getting back in the saddle and, and good. And he's a guy I've always respected for that. He, even with his, because being a diabetic, type one or type two, can really um, limit what you're able to do physically. And for him to be able to go out all these years, and he's had some health issues because of it, but for him to be able to go out all those years and perform like he has, move around like he has, give the fans a show, um, is very commendable because a, a lot of people just wouldn't know how to adjust or want to want to learn how to adjust. Of course, you know, in his case, he was six years old, so it's basically all he's ever known. But, you know, he never really used it as a crutch. He just always kept, you know, plowing through it, doing his job, and, and giving the fans the best possible show he could. So I, I applaud him for that. And I applaud him for, you know, coming back as soon as he can to, to, to carry on the march with his tour. So, um Poison, uh, you know, as a band that they they were kind of niche for a little, a little while and kind of fell off face of the earth and with the, the metal resurgence of the 2000s came back up a little bit. But uh, I've listened to, watch some of the stuff on YouTube from this tour and they still seem pretty, pretty solid. So um, would love to see them, seen them again, but, you know, not to be. So the next band we're going to go on that list, we're just going to jump into Def Leppard. Um, Def Leppard's a band that I've seen once again several times, probably about as many times as Poison. I saw them actually the first time on the Adrenalized tour. I was never able, unfortunately, to see them with Steve Clark, which I I regret so bad because I, I feel like he was such a driving force behind that band in their first four albums. Um, you know, which are the four albums that really catapulted them into the stratosphere. Um, in terms of popularity and everything. And I, I really feel like that his death um, caused their songwriting to suffer horribly. The, you know, Adrenalize, you could hear a little bit of a hysteria left over in that album. And I, I don't remember if it's the case or not. It, it sounds like there's some, some parts of songs that might have been in the writing process when, when Steve was still alive. Um, I never have, 
I don't know if I've ever really seen confirmation on that or if I just thought I read that somewhere, but regardless of whether it's true, you can kind of hear it a little bit. Past that, to me, they have hardly ever since sounded like Def Leppard. They just, you know, because when I think of Def Leppard, the, you know, on through the night, in my, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But, you know, they've got a fantastic trifecta with High and Dry, Pyromania, Hysteria. Those three albums are incredible. I could, I, to go see them, they could do nothing but songs off those three and maybe throw in Let's Get Rock, and I'm fine. Like, would not have to hear anything off On Through the Night or anything past that one song on Adrenalize because that is the core of their catalog. It's what made them who they are, which brings me to the whole point of, like I talked to Poison, about making new music and putting those songs in your set list when you're on a tour that is, you know, three big names. Should Def Leppard be wasting concert time on that? So I listened today to their new CD. Um, It's okay. Like, to me, it's better than anything they've done probably in the past three or four. (coughs) However, it does reach a point to where it gets a little bit stagnant and it becomes way too poppy. You know, you start to hear on the first few tracks, you can hear a few elements of their classic sound, which was, you know, probably hysteria is what everybody remembers. That that whole, the way that the songs on the album were structured. You can hear that a little bit on this new one, the first few tracks, but after probably halfway through, you know, I, I kind of tuned it out and got bored with it. So I need to give it another listen to get a true feeling of what I think about it. But as of right now, I'm just not impressed. And so brings the question. I, I feel, I think they're doing about three songs. They, they released two or three songs off of the album before the actual album release. Now those are like the two or three they're doing in concert um, on this tour. And for me, you know, especially if they're playing before Motley, for me, it's like, cut those out. You know, first of all, the album has not been out long enough for it to gain any traction, really. So a lot of the people don't know what in the hell they're hearing. And even the ones they do, I feel like most of them would be like, that's great. Let's throw in something obscure off High and Dry or Pyromania or Hysteria. Let's throw off, let's throw in something that you might not play every night, like Photograph or Rock of Ages, but something that you have done live and maybe we haven't heard in a while that would be cool to hear, you know? And so I feel like in that way, they're making a mistake and that's unfair to their fans and really to the fans that are, you know, maybe up and coming and just getting into them. You know, and I know that's why they're putting out new music and I commend them for putting out new music, but unless it's a total headlining tour, just them where they're going to play, you know, close to two hours and maybe 20 songs when you're on a co-headlining thing or, uh, you know, a, a big trio tour like this, just stick with the hits and the old stuff, you know, play the songs that everybody came to hear, because let's face it, this tour is a nostalgia tour. It's all about people reliving their youth 
and trying to act like they're 20 years old again. And that's what they want to hear are those songs of their 20s, the ones that they grew up listening to and that they want to, you know, that, that brings back all these memories of their of their childhood and early adulthood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cool that they do that, but I think they really should concentrate on, on just the, the hits pretty much. Um, you know, so the next point this kind of brings me to is, so musically, are they the best of the three bands in terms of their past catalog? Like the, of the three bands over the course of the, you know, the eighties that, that meet of those years for those three, where those three bands were pretty big and at their height, probably. I feel in a lot of ways, Def Leppard was probably musically the best of those bands. I think they wrote better songs. There was no fluff, you know, they weren't coming up there in makeup and, you know, outfits and they weren't doing a, much pyro. They would have like smoke bombs occasionally, I think. But musically, they were writing better songs. You know, there, there were no frills with it, man. It was just straight up there, you know, basically blue jeans, T-shirts, or in Phil Collins' case, blue jeans, no shirt. And just getting up there, playing their music, playing it well, and you know, all the women scream at them anyway, without all that stuff. Their music, of those three bands, their music, to me, Def Leppard's, was the best and stood up more than any of the rest. And I think even if you go back and listen to all of those bands and their, their really popular stuff, I feel like Def Leppard is probably musically the best of those three bands, at least at that time. And a lot of that, I believe, had to do with the fact that Steve Clark was such an integral part of the songwriting just gave them a different kind of feel than they've had since he passed away, unfortunately. So that's kind of my take on the Def Leppard part of it. You know, I, I've actually, I've passed up a couple of times to see them over the past several years. Um, they came to town here in Memphis a couple of times with Journey. And, um, you know, I thought about buying tickets and I look at the set list and I'm going, half of this I really don't care to hear. Like, I don't want to hear anything off slang, you know, or or anything really past adrenalized. And so I just kind of like, no, it's, it's not really worth it. But I, I would have definitely gone to see them on this tour because uh, it, it would just be an opportunity to, to see them along with two other, you know, bands of my youth that I, that I really, really, really liked. And so moving on now, we have Motley Crue. So obviously the biggest story that has come about with Motley and this tour was Tommy Lee breaking his ribs right before the tour started. <coughs> um, kind of funny. I'm, I'm sure very painful. He has mentioned how painful it is, and I know. Um, I can only imagine I've never broken a rib or anything, but I've had, you know, like a strain in that area or, you know, so, and it is so pain. Anytime you have a problem in that rib area, it just, it feels like somebody's just got a knife and just stabbing you over and over and over again when you try to breathe. So I'm sure um, a lot of discomfort and the fact that he had been able to go out the first handful of shows and play even three songs um, is, is quite amazing, quite uh quite impressive and just shows his dedication to wanting to get out again to the fans and, and tour 
And so he had a replacement. We're backing up a little bit. So it's like it, it took a while for it to come out. You know, how did he break his ribs? And I, I think he finally, it was re released by supposedly um, his wife now um, that they were staying at some rental property, I think it was in Nashville actually. And they were loading or unloading the car and he, they had a driver and a driver wasn't going to help or something. I don't remember exactly what all the specifics was, but the bottom line of the whole thing was, is he fell down the steps. It was an upstairs apartment they were renting and he was either carrying luggage up or trying to come back down or something. And he fell and he broke like four ribs. Ouch. And so, you know, this was like, I think, two weeks before the tour was supposed to start. And I'm sure he's thinking, oh, my God, you know, you've got to be fucking kidding me. We've got a tour starting like in 10 days and I've got four broken ribs. What are we going to do? And so they they had this uh, guy, Tommy Clefetis, I think is his name, who apparently had, had drummed for a lot of people. He had drummed with like uh, Black Sabbath for a while. He had been played with John Five, and and I've seen a couple of YouTube videos. A very solid drummer. Like it was like almost like the band really didn't miss a beat with him in there for two thirds of the show. It sounded really good, and so it was a very viable replacement for him, obviously. And you know, Tommy Lee is one of those drummers who, me, probably is not one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's a very very solid rock and roll drummer, without a doubt. Um, plays with a, with a thunderous drumming. I mean, like very hard, very heavy hitting to me has always been very integral in the Motley sound along with Mick Mars, who is just a fantastic guitar player, by the way. Um, but you know, he's a guy that's, I'm not going to say easily replaceable, but somebody you could find somebody to fill in for him. And apparently there's this, this, this Tommy, I can't pronounce his name right. I'm sorry, people. Um, but apparently he did a very good job. And from what I've seen from videos, it was, it was, they didn't miss a beat with him behind the kit. Um, but he is, I think Tommy since, I think a couple of shows ago, started playing the whole show again. So hopefully he's on the mend and um, he's going to continue the tour without any further incident, you know? And so what I want to talk about next with Motley is so like a lot of bands back in 2014, they went on what I have uh, come to call the farewell tour bandwagon, right? Um, there've been a, a handful of hard rock metal bands and even some like classic rock bands that over the years have been like, all right, we're, this is our farewell tour. We're never coming back again. You're never going to see us. You know, adios, we're out of here. You know, you think about the Eagles did a, quote, farewell tour in the late, mid, late 90s. We see how that worked out. Um, Kiss did a farewell tour in 2000. We see how that worked out. However, there's a couple of caveats to that that we won't get into. But nevertheless, they were on that bandwagon. Uh, the Scorpions did one. In early, 20, I think it was 2012, they went on this farewell tour. You know, they're out there touring again. They've released two albums, I believe, since then. So they were like, nah, we're coming back. Judas Priest went on a farewell tour several years ago. 
not long after uh, KK left the band. Uh, now they're they're out there again. They put out a new album set. So I know I'm probably missing. I feel like Fleetwood Mac did one, and there's been some others I know. So Motley, you know, back in '14, decided, hey, this is it. We're we're going to tour one more time, and then in fact, we're even going to sign a contract saying we're never going to tour again, right? And so I'm sure there were plenty of loopholes in that where they get back together. Obviously, there were. Um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation that their their biopic, The Dirt, spawned a, a huge interest in the band again and catapulted this whole thing for them getting out there and starting touring again, which is fine. You know, I don't I don't begrudge any band for saying, "Hey, we're done." And then a few years later, like, you know what? Maybe we want to get there and scratch that itch again. Maybe we want to. That, that that's all we've known for 30 years, 40 years. How can we just let that go? We thought we could, but it's what defines us, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of what drove that farewell was, um, you know, members of the band not getting along. It's been, you know, highly noted over the years that Tommy and Vince and just couldn't get along, never spoke to each other and all that. And I've always said too that Mick Moore's physical condition, I feel like probably contributed to that, to where, you know, how extensively could he tour? You know, how was his body holding up? And, you know, so he still looks the same. He, he looks like he can barely walk, he can barely stand up. But to hear the guy play, is, you know, he's several years older than the rest of them. I want to say he's like 71. But to hear the guy play, he is still amazing. He still plays everything the way it sounded 40 years ago when it first came out. He, he still has, you know, the rest of his body may be betraying him, but his fingers are not. He still sounds wonderful. And, and his real deep guitar sound that was on Shout the Devil, that's kind of what got me in the metal in the first place, just that deep, it just sounded so almost evil, and, but it just drew me in. And, you know, he's really um, amazing that at his age and with the health issues that he has that have been chronic for so many years that he's still able to do what he does on guitar is fantastic. And so as far as being able to perform now, there was a lot of speculation, a lot of worry about, okay, how's Vince Neil's voice going to be? You know, um, is the guy, is he going to sound like shit? Is he going to sound medium, which is usually the best you can hope for Vince? I've seen Motley several times. I've probably seen him 10, 12 times. And every time, it's different with him. Like, you you don't know how he's going to sing the song. And I say how, I mean, is it going to be good or bad? Is it going to be in tune with the way the song was recorded? Can you sing, if it's a sing-along song, can you sing along to it? And it like being in harmony with him. Most of the time, not, because he's like David Lee Roth. He changes the words in terms of their tone and spacing between, and you just can't keep up. <clears throat> and so that was the question, you know, how was his voice? Was it at least going to be decent? Was it at least going to sound okay? And so right after some stuff started popping up on YouTube, I got very curious. And I watched a couple things. And I'm listening to it, and I'm going, 
Is it great? No. But Vince has never been great. So you shouldn't even factor that in the equation. Is it passable? Okay, define passable. So I've like I've got to define passable. So passable to me would be the way you sounded on their last tour, their farewell. And maybe, you know, when they got back together in the mid-2000s. And I'm looking at it and watching this. I'm listening. I'm going, you know, it, it's, it's really not any worse. It's not really any better. But at least it is what everybody has come to expect and apparently can tolerate. Because, once again, people are coming out to see them. And in ma apparently in mass, uh, apparently, you know, the crowds have been huge and it's been an enjoyable show. Everybody's having a good time. And that's what it's all about in the first place. So apparently his voice is, is, is making it happen. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, once again, I wish I had the opportunity to see it so I could see it firsthand in person, but I can't. Um, but apparently it's, it, it's coming off pretty well, you know, the whole tour is, and I think that's great for all of those bands, even Joan Jett, which I've never been a Joan Jett fan. I mean, she's got a couple songs that are pretty cool, um, that are classic, but, you know, if I, if I were to go, it would be to see those three and, and not everybody else. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the tour is going the way that, that it was envisioned for them and hoping the fans are having a good time and. You know, if you've got tickets and you're going on one of the stops, I'll be having a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, email me at the Marvel Music Show at gmail.com and let me know what you've thought. If you've been able to go, what you've thought about the tour, about some of the things we've talked about with this, and see if, uh, you know, if, if it's living up to, to your expectations. I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts. All right, so we're going to put a stop and end the stadium tour part of this podcast and move on to a couple other things, which I'm not going to take as much time. I kind of just want to touch on them because um, one of them in particular might be uh, a topic for a future podcast that I'm thinking about. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with, however, is Shinedown has put out a new album. It just got released um, on Friday, July the 1st. Um, huh. I really don't know what to think or do with it. it, it Shinedown is one of those bands that when they first came out, I was not a huge fan of their first album. Uh, it, to me, it had three or four really good songs, and the rest was just kind of, eh, it's okay. They put out their second album, Us and Them, and that's what turned me on to them. That album, to me, might be their best. Either that or Sound of Madness. I have since gone back and listened to their first album uh, several times. And I, I still, it's grown on me a little over the years, but still it's not up there for me where they're concerned. It's just, it's just not. And so I saw them on that tour at a club here locally, and it was a great show. Uh, you know, just musically, they weren't my, quite my cup of tea yet. When they put out Us and Them, I thought it was fantastic. They put out Sound of Madness, thought it was even better, and they started to, to morph themselves a little bit. And I was reading up on them a little bit recently to kind of get a refresher. And so apparently during, in between Us and Them tour and Sound of Madness, they had some uh, musical musical chairs where guitar players were concerned, like 
you know, their original guy got fired. So they brought in this guy from the studio and this guy on the tour. And then they brought in Zach Myers, who uh, is a local guy from here in Memphis, uh, who I've actually got to see play several, several years before he joined Shinedown. Um, and I will say about Zach, he is a decent guitar player. He's nothing flashy. He's nothing great. Um, songwriting, I'm starting to wonder about. So Zach comes in the band, and I and this is not a Zach Myers bashing session. This is just literally me building up to my opinion about Shinedown now versus 10, 15 years ago. Zach comes in the band. Mid-tour for support of Sound of Madness. Stays on that tour, becomes, at some point, their only guitar player in the band and a full-fledged member of the band, okay? That tour stops, they put out Amaryllis. Amaryllis is a very good album. I do not think it's as good as Us or Them or Us and Them or Sound of Madness, but I think it's very good, very solid. In my mind, probably the last solid thing they've done. The album after that, Threat to Survival, Few Good Songs, nothing special. Attention, Attention, that came out four years ago, a little bit better than Threat to Survival, but still, Few Good Songs, nothing, just outstanding. So I'm listening to the new one Friday. I've heard the first couple of tracks that they released as singles, and I'm thinking they're okay. They've got some promise. Like, you know, I, I could I could maybe get into this. And so it comes out Friday, and over the course of the day, I'm listening to it. And then I, I tried to listen to it in one fell, you know, in, in one session. And I'm listening to it song after song, and finding that song after song, two things. Number one, majority are starting out with promise and never live up to the potential of that promise. Secondly, they all become very poppy, like totally going completely away from what, as we talked about the old saying, the dancing with the one that brought you, that they just, they, they have not since parts of Amaryllis have they recaptured or duplicated, and duplicating yourself is not necessarily a good thing, but have they recaptured that shine down feel from their first three albums or first four? They just haven't done it. And I, I wonder sometimes why is that? And I keep going back to the common denominator of their sound starting in my mind to decline, at least at least for what I like to hear out of Shine Down is Zach Myers. Since he's been in the band and been involved in the songwriting process for their albums, their albums to me have constantly gone down in quality. Yes, they all have a few good songs, but for the most part, I'm not gonna put one on and not skip several. You know, I, I can listen to Us and Them, Sound of Madness and, Amar Sound of Madness and Amaryllis and probably never hit skip. These last three, <coughs> skipping quite a bunch. And, you know, once again, I've only listened to the new one 
uh, twice, maybe two and a half times. So I need to give it another couple of listens and see, uh, you know, what I think after I've, I've, I've given it a little more time. But as of right now, not really feeling it. And quite honestly, and, and, and they used to be a band I'd travel to go see. Not sure I would do that right now. Uh, I would probably be like, you know, if they come here, great. Or come somewhere really, really close on a weekend, fine. Or with somebody else big on a co-headland, okay. But going out of my way to see them, probably not going to happen. So anyway, uh, I just thought I'd bring that up about Shine Down. You know, give it a listen. See what you think. Um, email me. Let me know what you think about how it how it compares to other releases they've had. Uh, better, worse, you know, opinions what it's all about. And that's just that's just mine on their new one. So I'm going to wrap it up today with a uh, very short, and this may actually be a lead into a future podcast, especially depending on how true what this what I found out is. Uh, it came out three days or so ago, you know, probably the last couple of days of June, that Gene Simmons had an interview where he reportedly said that KISS is going to add another 100 shows onto the end of the road tour. Now, here's the thing. I am a huge KISS fan. I've been a huge KISS fan my entire life. They are, as I've talked about before, not musically, but ultimately my favorite band of all time. I've seen them 31 times. Truth be told, if I had a chance to go see them again, as long as it, as long as it did not conflict with an opportunity to go see Tool, I would go see Kiss again. Absolutely. But, dudes, come on. I know, and I get it. They're, once again, you know, they're, they're, they're filling arenas right now, especially, you know, you look at, pick, the crowds are huge. They're making a lot of money. I get it. And that Gene's all about money. He wants to make as much as he can, and I think he wants to die with the most money in the world. I understand what's going on. But, come on. This thing has to end at some point. You know, right now, musically live, they're still pretty good, musically. You know, they are a tight band with Gene, Paul, and Rhythm. I'm not talking about Paul's vocals. I'm talking strictly musically. Gene, Paul, Eric, and Tommy have got this down. You know, they've been playing pretty much the same songs live for 18 years. I get it. But they've been together for 18 years. They're tight. They sound fantastic musically live. But Paul's voice is atrocious. It's horrible. At one time, I think that man had one of the strongest voices in rock and roll. I mean, it was strong. He could carry a note. He could carry it a long time. He could do a lot of things with his voice, which I think has contributed to his, this downfall. Because his voice being bad, it has been like this for 10 years or more. In fact, probably more, because I saw them in Dallas in 2010, and that's when I really noticed it, about the breaking in his voice and the crackling and it sounded like a, a you know a 12-year-old on puberty. It was horrible and it's done nothing but got worse over the past 10 or 12 years and at some point he's they've got to stop it for that reason 
but because eventually he's just talking about having backing tracks now or whatever's going on. Eventually, it's going to be complete fucking lip making. There's not going to be any way around it because he's not going to be able to sing. And I don't know, you know, you're talking about a hundred more shows. They've still got like probably, I haven't looked in a while, but there's a good probably 20 or 30 already scheduled. <clears throat> if they had a hundred more, you're talking about if they space them out the way they need to another couple of years, which, hey, gets them to their official 50 anniversary of the release of the first album. That's fine and dandy. You've been around 50 years. We all know it. There's no problem. If it's about the money, that's fine too. But at some point, at some point, they've got to start thinking about we're becoming a caricature of ourselves. We're becoming a joke. Have they already become a caricature of themselves and a joke in some people's minds? Yes. I am not there 100% yet. And maybe I'm not because they're my favorite band of all time and I don't want to admit it. But they're getting close. Now, here again, just like with the stadium tour, if people are paying harder money to come see you and they're having a good time and they're walking out of there happy, fine. Go as long as you can. But at some point, at some point, that's going to stop. And it's better if you do it before it happens than if all of a sudden you start playing half-empty houses again and then your tail's between your legs and you're going out and going, oh, we overstayed our welcome. Just something to think about. Like I said, maybe a future podcast topic. We'll see if this all comes to fruition. So, all right, my peeps, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I hope you've enjoyed me blabbering on for this 40 minutes or so about stuff that doesn't mean anything in life, but it's stuff that us as music fans, we enjoy talking about. And music brings joy to all of our lives in some way or another. So until I see you next time, just remember, people, be good to each other, and life will be good to you. Peace.